Hi, friends, and welcome back to the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. This is your host, Joel Dover, and welcome to Season 3. Hey, we study Bible prophecy here from a dispensational, pre-tribulational, premillennial point of view, and we're always rapture ready. Grab your copy of God's Word and let's jump in together to see what the Lord has for us here on the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. Welcome back, friends, to the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. This is Joel Dover. So glad to have you on the program today. I want to encourage you to grab your Bibles, and we want to jump in as quickly as we can to Revelation chapter 12. I trust that you've been following with us through the series, that you're caught up, and we want to continue the sequence of events here as we study things that are to come in the last times. Let me just remind you of the uh, key verse in the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter 1 and verse 19, where the Bible says, Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. Friends, this verse alone helps us to see the entire structure of the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, when John begins to have this vision on the Isle of Patmos, is the the, the vision of things that he's already seen. He has already seen the uh, Lord in his glorified state, Jesus, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the one who was, who is, and who is to come, uh, dressed in a robe of white with beautiful radiant hair and beautiful radiant eyes, all that. John had already seen these things when the Lord instructed him to write. So that's past of verse 19, write the things which you have seen, that is Jesus in his glorified state. He also says, write the things which are. And if you look at your Bibles, as we discussed, chapter 2 and chapter 3 are letters to seven different churches that existed in John's day, real churches. And so they are the churches that were in the days of John. He has a word for those seven churches. Then finally, write the things which will take place after this, that's future-oriented, And it begins in chapter 4 and goes all the way through the end of the book. Things to come, things like the breaking of the seal judgments, the trumpet judgments, which we just completed, the thunder judgments, which are not detailed in the scripture, the two witnesses that preach the gospel to the entire world in the last days, the tribulation, the 70th week of Daniel, the rise of the Antichrist in his ministry and certain things that he will do, the uh, rise of globalism, one world government, one world law, one world currency, one world religion, these kind of things, which are still to come in our Revelation study. And then, of course, wrapping it all up with the kingdom age where the Lord returns, touches down on the Mount of Olives, establishes his literal reign and rule on the earth, and begins the millennial kingdom. So some of this is still to come. But as we take up chapter 12, it's so interesting, the Lord now is beginning to wrap things up. As we look back to what we've read at the end of chapter 11, at the seventh trumpet, the Bible says in verse 15 that the kingdoms of the world have now become the kingdoms of the Lord and of his Christ. And when we were together last, we were talking about the, a NASCAR race, how they start a NASCAR race with the dropping of the uh, the go flag. And then, of course, it finishes later, some laps later with the checkered flag. So we want to um, understand that verse 15 of chapter 11 is like the beginning of that green flag. The race now is underway towards the end. The Lord now is beginning to wrap up the, the whole account of Revelation for us. And in chapters 12, 13, 14, he's going to be introducing us to signs, uh, great players in the Revelation story. So characters here that are characters in history past as well as history future. So uh, again, this is the beginning, really all the way through verse uh, chapter 21 now, we're going to be seeing the, um, the culmination of it all, the wrapping up of the book of Revelation. But I want to take some time and introduce you to these wonderful players 
in the Revelation narrative. So we'll begin in chapter 12. It'll take us three weeks to work through all of this because uh, there's quite a bit here. But there are seven major players that are identified here between the blowing of the trumpets and then the outpouring of the bowls or the vile judgments which are still to come. Uh, This, of course, is the interlude that we've discussed a number of times where we see um, the Lord really doing some unique things, showing some things between the plagues And such is the case here. So that pattern of the book, plague interlude, plague interlude, plague interlude, it is still very much in effect. So as we read today, we're going to see for a moment that God gives us a glimpse of spiritual history as well as the spiritual future. We're going to be, for a moment, just like the Lord, stepping out of time to see how all of history has been spiritual history leading up to the great culmination of these revelation events. It's almost like If you can imagine the Lord stretching out a big screen across the sky and showing John, like on the big screen, glimpses of things that have already occurred and insights to how those things happened in the past, but how they're completed in the future, that's what it's like. Someone has said in the past that all of history is his story. And so nowhere in the Bible is this more true than in these three chapters. And so as we begin to read, remember that these are signs, okay? And then as we read, there is some symbolism here. And of course, as I've told you, we always want to take the Bible literally, uh, unless the scripture gives us a clear reason not to do that. And obviously, we're going to be reading some uh, allegory and some figurative language here. So let's begin in verse 12 and uh, 13, 14. And let me just tell you for your notes who the seven players are. We're going to be introduced to the woman who is Israel, to the fiery red dragon who is Satan, to the male child who is Jesus the Christ, to the angel Michael who is the uh, leader of the angelic army, to the offspring of the woman who are Christians, the beast from the sea who is the Antichrist, and finally the beast from the earth who is the false prophet. So let's get into uh, chapter 12, see what the Lord has for us. In verse 1 and 2, the Bible says, Now a great sign appeared in heaven. Note that word sign, okay? A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Let's hang on right there just for a moment as we sort of unpack this. The Bible says that there's a sign that appears in heaven. There's, this is a sign. It's a, it's a symbol here. A woman is clothed with the sun. She has the moon under her feet. And friends, I want you to realize that this refers to the nation of Israel and her 12 tribes. You say, well, pastor, how do you know that? Well, we always want to allow scripture to help us interpret scripture. And as we look back to Genesis chapter 37 and verse 9, there's a clue here to the identity. Because in Genesis 37 verse 9, the Bible says, Then he dreamed, speaking of Joseph here in Joseph's dream, he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time, the sun, the moon, and the 11 stars bowed down to me. So we see, you know, in the scripture, this ideology already of the sun and the moon and the stars. In this text, of course, Jacob and Rachel are the sun and the moon. The stars are the sons of Jacob. I want you to note that here in Revelation chapter 12, she's wearing a head and on the the head garland, there are 12 stars. And so I hope that you see the similarities Uh, This, of course, speaks of um, the nation of Israel and the 12 tribes here. So we're talking about Israel. Now, the Bible says that being with child, she cried out in labor pains to give birth. Friends, this is a reference to the most important birth in all of history. She is pregnant here, and she's about to 
give birth to a male child, and we'll see this in just a moment, but bear with us here. In verse 3 and in verse 4, we see the second sign, which is the sign of the fiery red dragon. The Bible says, And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his tail. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven, and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth, to devour her child as soon as it was born. So there's some interaction here, right? Between the woman, that is Israel, and this fiery red dragon. Well, friends, the fiery red dragon is the devil himself. If we look forward to Revelation chapter 12 and verse 9, the Bible says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Don't you love it? When Scripture tells us the answers and we're not left to guess or uh, you know, go in search of things, it just makes it very clear. So the fiery red dragon here is none other than Satan himself. Now, according to these verses, the dragon has seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his head. I would encourage you to go back and to read Daniel chapter 7 or listen to the recording in our podcast on Daniel chapter 7 because we unpack the rise of a revitalized Roman Empire, which shall be the last day's kingdom of the Antichrist. Daniel chapter 7 tells us that in the last days, the old Roman kingdom will become a new political conglomerate that consists of ten nations. The Antichrist will rise from among them and will overthrow three of those kingdoms, leaving seven kings ruling over the strength of ten kingdoms with the Antichrist at their head. And so we see here that the last day's kingdom of the Antichrist are the heads of the red dragon. Who do you think empowers the kingdom of the Antichrist? Who is their God? How does their kingdom rise? Well, all of this takes place satanically, of course. Whose agenda do they represent? Antichrist represents the agenda of Satan. Now there's a glimpse here of the red dragon in spiritual history. He is not a new player on the spiritual scene, but he's a very old one. The Bible says that his tail drew a third of the stars from heaven and threw them to the earth. These third, one-third stars are the fallen angels that rebelled with Satan against the Lord and who were cast out of heaven with him at some point in the past. Now, I want you to just stick with me because we're going to see this in detail in just a moment. We learn in these verses, however, that the red dragon has a goal. He stands before the woman who was about to give birth in hope that he might devour her child as soon as it was born. So here's a clue, especially if you're reading the New King James Version Bible, like I'm teaching from, the Bible capitalized the word child. If you look carefully there in verse 4, that's a clue for you. Now think back at uh, Matthew chapter 2 and verse 16, and think about the time just after the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because in that passage, the Bible tells us that Herod sought to destroy the Lord Jesus, certainly uh, doing the work and the bidding of Satan himself. So The Bible says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceedingly wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and in all the coasts thereof from two years old, and under according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. That's from the King James Bible. And then in Jeremiah 31.15, there's a prophecy about this event, when Herod would uh, murder the innocent children. In verse 15 of that chapter, the Bible says, Thus says the Lord, A voice was heard in Ramah, Lamentation and bitter weeping, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted for her children because they are no more. 
Now, clearly, what we're seeing here is the the dragon seeking to devour, seeking to, uh, you know, as soon as Christ is born, as soon as the Savior Israel is born, to devour him, to destroy him. And of course, all of these efforts failed because of the power of God and the beautiful things that God did to protect the Christ child until the time of his passion. This seems like a really relevant place to stop for a moment and just make a note that Satan works through human agency. Friends, not only do we see Herod here working in the interests of Satan, but also in Revelation we see Antichrist, we see entire kingdoms of the Antichrist in the last days serving the will of Satan, doing the bidding of Satan, whether they're conscious of it or not. There's a reason why in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12 that Paul had to remind us regarding spiritual battle that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And friends, it's because more often than not, spiritual attack comes through human agency. So in the same way that the Lord can use human beings and does use human beings to advance his will, so Satan can use human beings and governments and nations and all sorts of things, kings, powers, in order to advance his own will in the earth. He is the ruler of this age. Well, let's learn more about this child because in verse 5 and 6, of Revelation chapter 12, we find this unpacked for us. The Bible says she bore a male child. Who's she? Well, we're talking about the woman that's mentioned here in verse 1 and 2. This child is born from Israel. She bore a male child, again, capital C, who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, that they should feed her there, 1,000 260 days. Let's pause there and unpack the male child. We find that the male child is born of the woman. The woman is Israel. This male child is Jesus Christ. The Bible says that he was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, which is certainly something that he will do when he returns at the second coming. Her child, according to the scripture, was caught up to God into his throne. I believe that's a reference to the Lord's ascension after his resurrection. And what's interesting about this, if you think about it, is that this child can't rule the nations if he's called up. One of the real difficulties for first century Jews in believing in the Messiah was that they expected Messiah to overthrow Rome and reestablish Jewish independence. And since Jesus was crucified and didn't cast off Rome, as you know, many people rejected Jesus in his own day. However, in the last days, the Bible prophesies that the Jewish people will look upon him whom they have pierced, and they will come to believe. There's going to be a tremendous spiritual revival in the last days. Speaking of Armageddon, Zechariah chapter 12, verse 9 and 10 reads, It shall be in that day that I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem, and I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication. Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Do you see how the Lord can be caught up to heaven and also reign and rule all the nations? It's all about timing, friends. He's been caught up where now he's preparing a place for us. Zechariah 14, he will come again and will rule the nations in the last days uh, with a rod of iron. I have a suspicion that the Jewish people will realize at the second coming that Jesus Christ is the deliverer 
who casts off the reign and rule of earthly kingdoms after all, and who establishes his eternal rule from Zion. And again, I believe the Bible teaches there will be a wonderful awakening of their understanding of Jesus as their Messiah in the days ahead, uh, of course, and at the end of the tribulation period. The Bible says here, interestingly enough, back to Revelation 12, verse 6, that the woman fled into the wilderness. And the Bible says that a place was prepared for her by God that they should feed her for 1260 days, which is exactly three and one half Jewish years. Remember that all Bible prophecy is based on the Jewish calendar, which is a 360 day calendar. When we get to verse 14, Verse 14 echoes this idea by using the phraseology time, times, and half a time. So it seems that in the great tribulation, that is the second part of the tribulation, remember the seven years, Daniel's 70th week is a 70-year period, all seven years we call the tribulation. The latter three and a half years of that we call the great tribulation because it's a time of just intense outpouring of God's judgment. It seems, according to the scripture, that in the latter part of the tribulation, the great tribulation, that from the time of the abomination of desolation forward, that Israel will experience some level of divine protection. And I believe we'll see that as we get deeper into the scripture and look at the markings, of course, that are put on God's people. Now look at verse 7 to 12, because we find that there's some history here. It's a historical event. Uh, we see that Satan himself was cast out of heaven. And so, beginning in verse 7, the Bible says, And war broke out in heaven. Remember, that's past tense. War broke out, past tense, in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. And his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before our God. Day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and to the sea. For the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. All right, this is past tense. The Bible says war broke out in heaven, past tense. And so this has already occurred. And as we just think about the work of Satan in the Bible, we realize, of course, it's obvious that this must have happened prior to the Garden of Eden and the fall of man, because we see that by the time we get to the Garden of Eden, the creation of Adam and Eve in the Garden that Satan is already cast down to the earth. He takes the form of the serpent, as he's referred to here, the great dragon, verse 9, the serpent of old Satan. He takes that form of the dragon, deceives the woman, then the man, they sin against the Lord, sin enters the human equation through the fall, and of course, you know, makes the way necessary for the redemption of Christ at the cross. So we're already seeing Satan cast down. This must have taken place prior to the Garden of Eden, prior to the fall of man. The Bible says that at some point in history past that God's angels fought with the dragon and his angels, that there was a war in heaven. And the Bible says that God's army was victorious. There was no longer a place for Satan and his angels in heaven. They were kicked out, okay? And so they were cast down to the earth. Satan has been the ruler of this age. 
He was cast down to the earth and his angels with him. And the Bible says that he deceives the whole earth. Friends, you know this, but Satan is a tremendous and great deceiver. And then there are some future implications. We've looked at history past regarding Satan and his casting out, but look at the future implications, verse 10 and 11. The Bible says, Then I, John, heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now. And you need to, when you see that, you need to ask the question, When? And he says, Now. This is after the Great Tribulation. This is when Jesus established the kingdom. There are three progressive realities. Now, salvation is accomplished. Now, strength has come. Now the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them, that is in the past, it's past tense, before our God has been cast down. So here's what I want you to see, friends. There are two casting downs which are, which are referenced here. First of all, Satan was cast down in history past from his revolt in heaven when he was cast from heaven to earth. But secondly, Satan will be cast down from his earthly authority. His kingdom will be stripped of him when Jesus comes at the end of the tribulation age. And the Bible tells us that Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. In the meantime, there are some spiritual realities. For the brethren, we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. The scripture says uh, they love Jesus more than even their own lives. And then there's the reality of the woe of Satan's influence. The Bible says, woe to the earth and woe to the sea. The devil has come down to you in great wrath because his time is short. He doesn't have long, friends. He knows that he must meddle as long as he can. One day the Lord is coming back and will conquer him and Satan will lose all authority. We won't have an issue anymore. But for the time being, we wrestle with uh, his schemes and his plans. Now look at verse 13 through 17 as we finish the chapter. The Bible speaks about Satan's earthly agenda. The Bible says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragons had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring, who keep the commandments of God, listen, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Friends, Satan's earthly agenda began with the persecution of the woman, which is Israel, who gave birth to the male child, Jesus Christ. It has been the historical agenda of Satan to persecute the Jewish people. We've seen it repeatedly in history. And it would have been the devil's intent to, pro to persecute the woman intensely in the tribulation. But as we've already seen in verse 6 and now here again in verse 14, the Lord provides divine protection for Israel for three and a half years, the latter portion of the tribulation period. In verse 15 and 16, the Bible describes the uh, spewing of water after the woman that she might be carried away. But the Lord intervenes and the earth opens to swallow it up. What in the world is this about? Well, certainly it's a reference to the great tribulation of the Antichrist, but the details of what this means are just not here. Friends, sometimes we, we need to acknowledge, hey, there's something that's going to happen, but we don't have all of the details. Matthew 24, verse 15 to 22 is a powerful reference, though, that uh, relates to this. 
The Bible says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken, spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is in the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. So certainly, when the abomination of desolation takes place, written according to Daniel the prophet, the great tribulation event unfolds. Uh, that is a time where uh, God provides divine protection, even though Satan seeks to uh, destroy Israel, to come after the woman, that she might be carried away like a flood. Now, the Bible here says that the dragon Satan was furious with the woman. And so when he could not persecute her, the Bible says he turned his attention to her offspring. And the offspring are detailed here as those who keep the commandments of God and those who have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So we're speaking, of course, of the spiritual offspring of the child of the woman. That is, those who have become Christians in the tribulation period. I want to say to you that the Great Tribulation will be a very difficult time for Christians because the persecution will be intentional, and the system is set up to identify and persecute believers. Just think about the mark of the beast, if you've read Revelation before. We'll learn more about that system that Antichrist and his false prophet established when we get to chapter 13 next time. So listen. We've met five of the key players in this particular teaching. There are seven totals. We have two more to meet as we move through chapter 13 and chapter 14. We've been introduced today to the woman, Israel, to the fiery red dragon, Satan, to the male child, who is Jesus the Christ, to the angel, Michael, who is the leader of the angelic army, to the offspring of the woman, who are Christians, and the next time we'll begin to see the beast from the sea and the beast from the earth, who are uh, respectively, the Antichrist and the false prophet who leads a global world religion demanding that everyone on the planet worship the image of the Antichrist. Friends, chapter 12 is so interesting. 13 and 14 will be just as interesting as we're looking at some things that have taken place in history past that are connected to things that will take place in history future. I want to encourage you to stay with us as we're introducing ourselves to these key players. Next time, we'll take chapter 13 and learn about the beast from the sea and the beast of the earth, and then chapter 14, and we'll know all the players of the last day's scenario. Hey, I want to thank you for listening to the Pre-Trib Prophecy Podcast. I wonder if there's someone in your life who would enjoy this kind of Bible teaching, and if you would recommend this podcast to them. Would you share it on social media, or perhaps tell a pastor or a small group leader, a Sunday school teacher, a co-worker, a family member or a close friend about the podcast. Help us to get the word out, if you would, about this kind of Bible teaching as we work passage by passage, verse by verse, looking at Bible prophecy, end times prophecy from a pre-tribulational point of view. I pray that God will bless you richly, and I look forward, as always, to your contacts and to your comments. Thank you again for listening. God bless you.